Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. As we rode in the elevator, I was hit with a wave of emotion, mostly anxiety. Is this the right move? Am I making a big mistake? How will he react? Could today somehow cause harm in a way I never intended? As Maya and I stepped off the elevator onto the third floor of the Freedom Center Museum, and made our way to the first exhibit, I was nervous. On paper, this seemed like a great idea. I wanted to bring Maya, the country director of the Haitian Timun Foundation, a former Restavec, or child slave, to the National Underground Freedom Museum for a day to reflect on the global issues of colonization, slavery, and injustice that have plagued our shared humanity as Haitians and Americans. But now all I could think was how would Maya react? Maya has lived a life of slavery and pain and hardship that, to be honest, I know nothing about. How would he react to reading about these injustices, which he has known personally in a comfortable climate-controlled museum in Cincinnati, Ohio? Was I making a mistake? Would today make Maya feel like a statistic and not a valued human being? We started on the third floor of the museum which highlights the modern-day reality of slavery in our world, the hidden world of forced labor across the globe that exploits children to harvest diamonds for engagement rings and precious minerals for our insatiable need for the latest smartphone, the dehumanizing reality of sex trafficking which locks women in cages as far away as Bangladesh and as close as Baltimore. My eyes were only partially on the exhibit because my attention was fixated on Maya. I walked a few steps behind him the whole way through the exhibit. Then I noticed him stop and stare at one panel in particular. Oh God, I thought, is this too much? As I approached Maya, I noticed his big, broad shoulders were shaking. You know, in the way a man tries to hide that he's crying. And as I got closer, Maya let out a... There it was the display about Haiti. One panel 
in a giant museum. And in big, bold print, Restavec. Maya slowly read the display, and the emotion of the moment overwhelmed me. <laughs> and I began to weep. It read an estimated 300,000 child slaves currently exist in Haiti. And here I was standing next to somebody who used to be one of the 300,000. Choking back my tears, I asked Maya, how does it feel to read about your life in a museum? His response has both comforted and haunted me ever since. He looked at me and he said, thank you. Thank you? Thank you? He said, this shows me, Pastor Lorne, that my story and the story of my people is not forgotten. Your tears tell me that you are with me. That you suffer too. How foolish of me to think that I could bring Maya to a museum and it would be a day of education for him. If you know Maya, you know that when you spend time around him, he becomes your teacher. He was accused of crimes he did not commit. Hateful rhetoric and speech spread throughout the community. A mob began to assemble and demand that the authorities do something about this man. He must be brought to justice, they said. Proof of his crimes were never brought forth. For those in power were only concerned with appeasing the masses who had assembled demanding that this man be killed. So he was taken away. Stripped naked, beaten, spat upon, mocked and ridiculed as the crowds assembled to watch his lifeless body hang from a tree to die. The next day, one of those who had conspired in the arrest committed suicide out of deep remorse in shame. His name was Roscoe Parker. Adams County, Ohio, 1894. Sadly, this inscription was just one of many that Maya and I read as we walked through an, another exhibit at the Freedom Center focused on the history of lynching in America. Do you know that feeling inside your chest that wells up with emotion when you don't have the words to express what you're feeling? That hollow feeling of longing inside where you connect to another's pain while opening up new channels of remorse in your own soul that you didn't know existed. That's how I felt 
walking through the exhibit laden with photographs of lynching in our country. Maya could tell that I was struggling to look at these images. One after another of brutalized, lifeless bodies hanging, juxtaposed against the backdrop of smiling, jeering bystanders. It crushed my soul. The tears began to well up again. And Maya once again spoke truth and wisdom. As he said, Pastor Lorne, your tears over the past unite you with the suffering of people today. Today, you suffer with all of those who suffer. Today, you suffer with us. Around Good Friday of 1373, an English woman laid bed-stricken with the plague. She thought it would lead to her death. And in a haze, Julian of Norwich received a series of visions which she wrote down in a book titled 16 Revelations of Divine Love. The eighth revelation, she wrote, is any pain like this. Of all pains that lead to salvation, this is the most pain to see thy love suffer. How might any pain, she wrote, be more to me than to see him that is all my life, all my bliss, all my joy, suffer? Recounting this vision that Julian received, she ruminated on Jesus' mother Mary and her suffering, the one who suffered more than any other in the death of Christ, the pain of a mother watching her son die. In this community of pain forged by the suffering of Jesus, Julian articulated one of the great theological insights. Here, she said, I saw a great wanting between Christ and us, for when Christ was in pain, we were in pain. To Julian, the cross was about wanting. The complete unity of God with us and us with God, and not only us as humans, but as she relates from the vision, the wanting of all creatures that suffer pain, suffer with him. And the firmament, the earth, filled with sorrow. And the planets and the elements and even the stars, she wrote, despaired at Christ's suffering. The cosmic circle of grief emanating from Jesus' passion reveals that Jesus not only suffered for us, but that Jesus suffered with us. His death occurred for the sake of kinship and love with all that was and is and is to be. You see, on Good Friday, we focus on the first preposition of the passion's equation. 
that Jesus suffered for us, us sinners, for the world, for me. But only rarely have I heard in my life spiritual teaching on the second preposition, that Jesus suffered with us, with sinners, with the world, with me. There is a huge difference between for and with. Diana Butler Bass, a theologian, says it this way. For is a preposition of distance, a word that indicates exchange or favor. It implies function or purpose. I do something for you. You do something for me. Notice someone does something on behalf of or in another's place. For is a contract. Jesus suffered for us means that Jesus did something on our behalf. He acted on behalf of a purpose in place of someone else. But for always separates the actor and recipient, distancing a sacrificial Jesus from those whom he died. At the cross, Jesus is the subject and we are the objects. But by way of contrast, with is a preposition of relationship, implying accompaniment or moving in the same direction. Rather than something done for you, with makes you a participant in the action or transaction. With is a preposition of empathy, of sympathy, of being on the same side, of close association, of deep love. No, you don't need to go for me. I'll go with you. It's about being together. For or with. Contract or companionship. Exchange or Eucharist. Favor or friendship. Come on, we are people who get the for, don't we? This is the world we live in. For, for, for. We work for a boss. We work for an income. You campaign for a cause or a political party. Young man, you better stand for something. What can this product do for me? How will it serve me? Listen, for is not bad. For is not wrong. It's just not complete. If we are honest, we're good with for. We struggle in with. It was about midnight and my pager went off. I was sleeping on a little bed somewhere in the basement of the Ohio State University Medical Center. I was serving as an on-call overnight chaplain. Right after the pager went off, the hospital, assist, the hospital system alerted an emergency. So I made my way down to the medical intensive care unit. And before I could check in with the charge nurse, there she was. A woman wailing, 
out of control. Objects flying, hair in a mess, mascara run all down her face. Nobody could console her. Five nurses were standing at a distance because each one had tried. And so they call the chaplain. In that moment, talking with one of the nurses, I learned that her son, her precious son, only 24 years old, had fallen into drugs. He was raised in a great neighborhood and went to a great school and was a varsity athlete, but he had fallen into drugs and a drug deal had gone bad and he was beaten into a pulp, a pulp. And here was the mother from Upper Arlington, Ohio, at OSU's Medical Center for her 24-year-old baby boy who was hanging on by a thread. And in that moment, I wanted to do for her. I wanted to do for her. I wanted to heal her son. I wanted to comfort her pain. But there was no way. I could only be with her. I could only be in the pain. I could only cry with her. We are good at the four. We struggle it with. Four can be simple. With takes effort and intention. Four is concerned with tasks and obligations. With is about relationship. With can change the world. When we come to the cross on Good Friday, we see the four. We understand the exchange that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus sacrificed his life so that we might exchange hell for heaven, sin for salvation, guilt for glory. And yes, knowing that Jesus died for the salvation, not just of us, but for the world, it does give us pause. It does cause us to raise prayers of humility and thanksgiving. It does cause us to sing songs and to feel sadness and relief. But there is more to the crucifixion. There's always been more to the crucifixion. Could we embrace the truth that at Calvary, Jesus' mother, friends, us, all of creation, throughout all of time, died there with him too. The cross cannot be reduced to a simple contract between God and sinners. The cross is also God's definitive expression of kinship and love. That everything, everywhere, through all of time is connected in and through Christ's suffering. For in Christ was crucified. God's vision for humanity was crucified. For John's gospel teaches us, John chapter 1. It was through Christ 
He was the one through whom all things came into being. Nothing came into being that did not come into being through him. In the beginning was the Logos, the Word, and by the Word, the world was created. So when Christ was crucified, the creation was crucified. We were crucified. We are with Jesus on the cross. Not at a distance from it. Standing by, watching safely from afar. Those are our hands and our feet that are nailed. Our blood that is dripping down. Our voices that cry out, we thirst. And Jesus on the cross, naked, beaten, mocked, is with us on every broken-hearted betrayal-laden, blood-soaked day of human history. On the cross, Jesus is with the Restavec children in Port-au-Prince who weep at night as they sleep on cardboard mats. On the cross at Calvary, Jesus is with the man in his third round of chemo treatments, which kill the cancer but weaken the body. At Golgotha, Jesus is with the child who's taunted and mocked and bullied on the school bus for not being athletic enough. At the cross, Jesus is with the family who are trying to piece life together today because their beloved son, brother, father, husband, who went to work as a police officer in our nation's capital, isn't coming home. On the cross, Jesus is with the inconsolable mother in the ICU holding on to the bloody hand of a son who will not make it two more hours. On the cross... Jesus is with the man who mourns the death of his beloved wife for 50 years and he doesn't know how to wade through the grief. On the cross, Jesus is with every human who suffers. That is God's passion. That is the cross of Christ. And in the crucified Christ, we find the hope to endure, a love for others in creation, the power to enact God's dream of restoring the world with grace and peace. These aren't statements because they're cute. They're statements because they're gospel truth. Not because of what we will do for the world, but because as we live into being the heart, hands, and feet of Jesus in the world, with the world. It's not what we will do for the world. It's that we would be with the world. Good Friday should plunge us into the with. Have you sacrificed with others? Have you walked the way of death with somebody? Have you cried with a neighbor? Have you felt the power of suffering love that is not your own suffering, but is the suffering of someone you love? Do you know 
that in the every fiber of your being, the wanting of God that Julian of Norwich felt, saw, tasted in her vision. Do you feel in that moment Jesus dying with his mother, with his friends, with us? Good Friday reminds us that we are with God and that God is with us. This is God, Emmanuel. The Christ who is not only for us, but with us. This is why the cross of Christ causes us to tremble. Tremble. We tremble on this holy night at the fearsome love of God who goes with us into the darkest night. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.